What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 661, take two. Again. We tried it once. It didn't work. Our thing, encoders crashed, and uh, but now we're, we, uh, we recovered. Typical from, from encoder. The crash. Yeah, Typical classic encoder stuff. Encoder stuff. David Brace here. JD Raider, off the radar. He's fled the country to Cancun, Mexico. He'll be back at some point. Ben Askren's here, and he's, he's excited to talk about some... Uh, well, this Christian, stuff. you know what just came to me as uh, as you were doing the introduction for the second time, and it was like a deja vu, uh, was maybe the NCA shut us down because we're, we're about to get into this. We know how that works. Maybe they just shut all – you know, your TVs went out. They just shut the power to flow. Nice try. You, you can't shut down the, fa- the power. I guess you can, but, you know, we won't stop re-encoding ourselves and trying it again. We're going to take the power back. There we go. So I, I think I want to start with – because the thing that was most interesting to me was AJ Ferrari's interview, right? Because yeah. he said, "Hey, I'm gonna start signing deals July 1st. And I said, "AJ, I-, I thought AJ's confused about the date because it wasn't supposed to kick in until later." So I thought, but as AJ explained, um, it's it's a it's kind of a different scenario, right? Yeah. Um, well, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Ben. Well, yeah. So I started looking into this because you guys said we were gonna talk about it today. Um, and this is such, it's such a disaster. It's state, it's state by state. So essentially I thought, you know, the way I had thought it was going to happen was that the NCA would approve new legislation. It would be a federal mandate. It would go in place to all schools at the same time, but for, and maybe we need a lawyer on to explain this to us for some reason, the NCA cannot get federal legislation passed. Um, which I don't know why they need Congress because other people can get paid to do other things. So I feel, I feel it would be like the NCA just erasing certain verbiage from their code. And, uh, but it's state by state. So certain states like Oklahoma are going to go live July 1st, like really, really soon now. And then other states haven't even talked about it. Other states, I mean, New Jersey is probably the worst. They say, uh, not till 2025, so good luck Rutgers getting any recruits. Yeah, they're taking their time there. Um, so what What? Um, I guess is curious about it is how Oklahoma State got themselves kind of ahead of the curve. Like talk about a little Way bit of the, the steps they, they took. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you know, we heard A.J. Ferrari uh, in, in this interview with Kyle Klingman at Junior Duels. By the way, great interview. He's just shirtless um, yeah. the whole time. Okay, and I gotta go. I, I can I go off on this for a second. Yeah, because I I really enjoyed the um, I really enjoyed the AJ Ferrari interview. But of all places, to go shirtless. And listen, I go <laughs> AJ. I go shoeless. So I yeah. I fight the fight the power. No shoes, no certain service. You guys can kiss my butt. If I don't want to wear shoes, I won't wear wear them. <laughs> so I fully applaud your right to not wear a shirt whenever you want. But of all places, junior duels? Like, <laughs> I don't know about that one. I saw it and I'm like, wait, he's in the he's, there's wrestling going in the background, but he's not wrestling. He's just like here hanging out. So like he's going to hang out with a bunch of teenage dudes without a shirt. Uh, I don't know about that one, man. It's a lifestyle, bro. It is. You no. Know? It's like you can't just anywhere I think here's AJ's policy <laughs> if how I've envisioned in my head. Anywhere where they will just let him not wear a shirt. He's not going to wear a shirt. That's just basically what it is. He probably wears shirts in class because he probably has to. I don't think he has to. I, I would actually say, like, I think, listen, I mean, if I'm in class and I'm AJ Ferrari, I'm not going to wear a shirt because who maybe there's a cute girl over there that I want to talk to, right? But junior duels, there's very few cute girls that I want to talk to, so I'll probably just throw my shirt on. It's not just about the girls, you know? Really? Have, have, well, we, have I, we asked him these questions? Have we asked him these questions? No, I mean, you know. He's he's got a persona to up to upkeep, right? He's he is a character. Yeah. Right? Yeah. He's got the Versace uh-huh. shades. Well let's, let's he's wearing Versace, Versace shades at Junior Duels. That's maybe more that's 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 more alarming than anything. Yeah. <laughs> well hey, let's listen to AJ. We got a little clip um of AJ talking about it in, in this interview. Fire and then and then we'll and then we'll we'll dig in. It's been it's been really good. And also, you know, get my brothers better, you know, getting prepared for tomorrow. Can't wait. 
a lot of people approaching you in Stillwater? Oh, for sure, yeah. Are they? What do they want? Pictures? Pictures, um, clothing. I mean, starting July 1st to be an official professional athlete, so I'll be signing with the clothing brand hopefully here shortly, so it'll be good. I'll be on nutrition supplements, you know, shoes, you name it. I'll be doing all that, so taking my time with that. I haven't decided on who we do it with, but um, I have a lot of options, and July 1st, you guys will know what's up. Do you enjoy being in the spotlight? Oh, I love it, yep. He loves the spotlight. He does love the spotlight. Um, but but so I mean, some really interesting nuggets here. I mean, first of all, he said, you know, the way he's perceiving of this, I'm going to be a professional athlete. That's the way he's thinking about it. I'm going to start making That's true. money. It's true. It's 100 percent true. Tremendous. And, and it's and it's a good thing. Um, July 1st is. I mean, it sounds like he's already getting things lined up. So when he said that, I was I was I was taken aback. I was like, how is that? How is that possibly true? So I started looking into it and found what you did, Ben. That it's state by state. Oklahoma is is on top of the on top of the program. They they signed it into law um, in May, and in late May. And Oklahoma State already has like a really robust program set up to support the student athletes. And so basically, at Oklahoma State, they have created this partnership with uh, this this organization, INFCLR. Um, which is designed to give student athletes resources for getting money out of their name, image, and likeness. So they are partnering with their school of business. They're going to have classes for student athletes to take, to start thinking about themselves like, and, you know, being entrepreneurial and how they think about their, their themselves. They're going to have an app. That, that's that allows- so smart by Oklahoma yeah. state. I mean, yeah. just everything you're talking about now is like, that's, that is genius. And they're, they're ahead of the game because New Jersey, not till 2025, Oklahoma oh next week, like yeah. so far ahead of the game. It's tremendous. Yeah. They have, they have an app that's going to help them like just determine their market value and, and think about what they should be able to get for, you know, an endorsement deal or whatever. Um, they have a, a program set up where like within 72 hours after signing any do- deals, students will, will, student athletes will turn those contracts into the institution for review and make sure everything's good to go. Um, they're also like helping them with simple integrations for apps like Cameo and and things that already exist where you can easily make money on your name, image, yeah. and likeness. So yeah, they're they're ahead of the curve, and I mean this is huge for somebody like AJ Ferrari. But I, my my thought immediately goes to recruiting and like what a big impact yeah, this will have. You for know, sure. Yeah, what did I like? Hundred percent. I mean, uh, yeah, for these top recruits, they're gonna say, don't tell me someone in Oklahoma State's not gonna say, hey, if you go to a New Jersey school, you can't make any money for the next five years. You come here, look at what we got. And I'm sure someone on Oklahoma State team would say, oh, look, here's how much I made last month. Something yeah. like, you know, something to that effect. And especially if the if the university is going to help them with this process, um, uh, you know, it's going to make it it's essentially they're assuming a managerial role. If they can set up something like, I know there's a website called Open Sponsorship. Someone told me about it, and I, I tried it for a minute. It didn't really work. But essentially, you go on there, you put your price for a post, and and sponsors can contact you. But like if Oklahoma State were to do that for their athletes and, and have them listed in contact information, like they can have those athletes generating some revenue very quickly. I mean, I would I would be down for a uh, thinking about the other Oklahoma school. I, I'd be down for like a Mantonona Brothers clothing line. You know, get some of those. <laughs> They're electric. Uh, yeah, I think. What I think is cool about it is it's the right thing. What Oklahoma State and Oklahoma State, Oklahoma are doing is the right thing. And it's a recruiting advantage. So I feel like this is going to create, hopefully, a snowball effect where the other states and the other schools are going to push through it and try to make this happen sooner rather than later. I, I'd be surprised if New Jersey really does hold out till 2025. I feel like how yeah. can you – will that even be allowed at this point? So that, that's well, like so- the first – go ahead. Yeah, on on that list you sent to us, Christian, there's there's essentially six states who are going to do it right right away. Well, I'm sorry, eight. Um, immediately is Oklahoma, Nebraska. Then then July 1st is Alabama, Florida, Georgia, and Mississippi, New Mexico, and Texas. Arizona's later this, this month. That's only nine out of 50 states. And then you know, obviously the next the next list down starts January 1 of 2022, which is six months from now. And then, I, like I said, the last one on the list is 2025, which is New Jersey. Obviously, a whole bunch still are not even on the list. So, I mean, I feel like that's going to give such a leg up to some of these colleges because not only 
are you starting earlier? But once you get the start of it, you get the hang of it earlier too, right? So, yes. I mean, there's going to be some hiccups in the process. And so for, uh, you know, an Oklahoma State or Oklahoma University to start rolling through this process and figure it out and have it streamlined within a year or two versus some of these other colleges aren't going to start for two years or three years. Um, man, huge, huge, huge advantage. Yeah. So, I mean, I think to, to really get our heads around this, I, I feel like I need to do more research because not only is it state by state, but then it's institution by institution. So in Oklahoma, for example, the law is that students can start making money on their name, image, likeness, July 1st, 2021. And then basically all institutions in the state have to have something set up by July 1st, 2023. So, so schools have two years to like figure out what they're doing. Oklahoma State's already got it figured out. So, I mean, that gives them a huge, huge leg up. I don't know. I haven't looked into OU. Um, Richard Emmel assured me that their program will be bigger and better than whatever Oklahoma State is doing. But uh, I'm feeling that's just his bias speaking. But, um, you know, just not sure exactly what, what each of these institutions is going to do. Is gonna do. So, um, you know, it's it's going to be it's going to be a huge for wrestling specifically. You just see Oklahoma State looks like they're in a really good position with this. Yeah. So, hey, can we, you know, we asked last time when Spencer Lee had the double ACL, Christian, we asked for a, a doctor or someone to come on the, the podcast. Can we ask for someone who with a, with a strong legal opinion uh, to come on the podcast tomorrow? Because, I mean, I would like to ask, why can't the NCAA just snap their fingers? It's not, it's their legislation. It's not like a, another 19-year-old going to college can't make money. They can, right? And if you remember... Um, there was the one big case of the wrestler from, I believe it was Minnesota. He wasn't even really a good wrestler. He was on the team and he was making money through singing. And they said, the mm-hmm. NCAA said, no, that's a name, name, image, likeness issue. You can't make that. And we, we withdraw your eligibility essentially. So I, I don't understand why this has to be state by state. And I don't understand why the NCAA can't just snap their fingers and say, you know, here's our section of, of code that was here, and now we're going to erase it, and now all athletes can make money off their name, image, and likeness. Um, I, so I don't know if there's someone could explain I think that. I understand that. I think I understand what's happening there, but this is this is a guess. So in that, uh, this Business to College Sports um, website has a tracker mm-hmm. for state-by-state results, but it also is, is showing the federal status. My guess is that, um, the, is that, I mean, getting anything through federal courts takes a long time. Uh, the NCAA wants that. They want on the NCAA's Q and A section on their about name, image, and likeness on their website. Mm-hmm. They they emphasize that federal name, image, likeness legislation is important to support college athletics. They but, they don't... want federal. They want it to happen and for it to be universal across the board and for them to have like federal standards. But what I but think David, is happening. Here's what yeah, I'm. Go ahead. But wait, hold on. Well, here's what I'm guessing. Or under, why I can't understand is like why does the NCA need Congress or someone to enact law within their own code book. Because again, another 19 year old at college can make money doing whatever the hell they want, vlogging, selling stuff on whatever. Right. So why can't an athlete? Cause the NCA restrictions are what's prohibiting them from, from doing so essentially. So why can't the NCA just change their own restrictions? I would guess it's you really because, need federal law. I would, I would guess it's because the, uh, the, acts that like that were put in place previously. So I think they had to get legislation passed to, to make it so that students could not benefit off their name, image, and likeness federally. And now they probably have to undo that. Like it's, I, mm. I would guess. But yeah, the thing that's, the, you know, you think about the states, it's, it's first of all, I mean, it's, it's faster to get things through a state court system. And yep. also very often the, these universities are, I mean, they're funded largely by the states, especially somewhere like, you know, Oklahoma, um, where Oklahoma and Oklahoma State are so integral to the state economy, people care about them, and you know, in big ways, they're going to be motivated to to get these things yeah. through, you know, through the courts Absolutely. and to give them an advantage. You, know, you look at look at a lot of the states that are um, that are passed, and it's no surprise they're big football states. You know, Florida, Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, South Carolina, Tennessee, Arkansas. Like it's it's SEC country, and you know, yeah. it's, it's no big surprise. Time. Yeah, it's uh, I'm I'm excited for for this. It's a it's a fun topic, one. But then, mm-hmm. so also this week we had sort of it's really a sort of a separate thing going on with the Supreme Court's ruling. Space got a very comprehensive article up on the homepage. We led the day with it. It kind of talks about what happened. Um, 
David, why don't you kind of give the rundown of, of what this is? Because I think some people are making this out to be the big, big, like, the, you know, the the ending of this amateurism, but it's not really that. No, but it could be an important domino. Right. Um, that That's basically what it is. It's a domino. We'll see what happens next. So basically what, what happened is uh, th there was a, a case. Um, it was uh, NCAA versus Alston. And the ruling is that student athletes can now receive um, the language. Let me make sure I'm not getting this language wrong. The the, the opinion hit. Uh, hold on. It says um, student athletes cannot, or the NCAA could not limit athletes' education-related benefits like graduate or vocational school scholarships, payment for academic tutoring, or postgrad internships. Um, so that's that's important. Basically. You know the way uh, one of the ways that that uh, institutions of higher ed function is by allowing students to have particular. I'm thinking about graduate scholarships. So for me, like when I was in graduate school at the University of Wyoming, um, I had an assistantship in my my master's in English, and so basically the university said, "Hey, if you'll teach one course a semester, not only will we give you the master's degree for free, but you'll get like a stipend on top of that. It's not a ton of money, but helps towards li living expenses." So far, the NCAA has said those kinds of programs are not accessible or available to student athletes. That's that kind of thing, that kind of funding. Student athletes can't benefit from that. So, can you help me understand why they would even care? What would be? The, I mean, a guy gets a is a graduate assistant. That's something so normal that so many other students get access to. Why would that be something the NCAA says? No, you can't get that. It's the it's this ideal they're trying to uphold. This ideal that that um you know. Student athletes should have uh, should should have amateur status. They should be uh, super poor. <laughs> yeah, I like I, I don't I, I can't like justify the position completely, and and I'm sure somebody else, somebody from the NCAA, would I mean, have I, a different no, I, answer. No, I think it's I, no, David. I think it's simple. The position is unjustifiable. Um, yeah. Somehow, somehow, some way, many, 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 many years ago, the bureaucrats decided that both for the Olympics and the NCAA that somehow. And the ideal of amateurism was this pristine thing that should be upheld among athletes. And it's it's utterly ridiculous, and it adds nothing. And frankly, it's just the bureaucrats continually skimming off the top. Because if we want to go deeper, I mean, this is one of the, this is one of the things that annoys me the most. So uh, I'm very passionate about this topic. If we want to go deeper, even though athletes can earn money off their name, image, and likeness, I'm still assuming that because um, I'm, I'm assuming pro teams do this, but uh, a player at, at Oklahoma State, if they're a Nike school, I don't know what they are, mm -hmm. um, they are. cannot go wear an Adidas shoe, right? Yeah. And so we're still we're still restricting their ability to earn by by essentially pulling what is the most valuable thing, right? Their on field presence would be the most valuable yes. thing, and so you know it's it's still essentially the bureaucrats skimming off the top because they know if they gave the athletes the ability to uh wear a different shoe right and you can still enforce a code like your shoe has to be white black or orange right so, something simple like that uh where it still looked uniform and not totally ridiculous um then the university or the institutions would be able to earn less money so it, it is a, just a money grab by the bureaucrats and by the institutions to get more and more money why do you think the olympics does it same same yeah. thing yeah my guess too, with with the this other the Supreme Court ruling, um, and I, by the way, I love Spay's headline: "Supreme Court to NCA, you are not above the law." That was literally uh, part of the ruling. Was they're saying like you cannot hold up this ideal of amateurism and use that to basically mm -hmm. withhold rights from students, and that's what the the ruling said was that yeah. just like you guys said, well, why can't I mean this is a, your program is available to all students? Why can't student athletes benefit? That's that's basically the ruling. They can't like that the. the NCA can no longer do that, um, but I mean, it is it does open some interesting doors that I'm sure were things that were in the NCA's mind about trying to avoid. So think about the kinds of programs that have assistantships, um, graduate assistantships, and I mean, it's not uncommon to have like a coaching GA, right? Like not at all. So, yeah. So so imagine if all of a sudden, you know, you decide, you're, you know, you're you're I don't know, let's say you're Iowa, and you decide, oh, okay, I want to give. Michael Kemmerer, a coaching assistantship. He's a he's a player coach now. He's we're gonna basically pay him to stay on the wrestling team for a year, uh, and and that takes a scholarship off the books. Now we can give that to somebody else. 
that's the kind of thing that I'm, I'm sure they're trying to avoid. And that's going to be why? Why would they want avoid. fewer why? people? I just don't. That's why I don't understand. Why would that be bad? Why would it be bad that Michael Kimmer gets paid for a different well, way so that another kid that may yeah. not have access to college or may not be able to get his college paid for can? Why would I that know, be bad? I know, if the institution I know what they're going to say. It? Let me explain. I know what they're going to say, and but I agree with you. It's bullcrap. They're going to say, well, it's unfair because then institutions with more money are going to be unfairly benefited, and that's why it's not fair. But it's crap because they're already unfairly benefited. Like, who yeah. cares? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think the other well, thing, the all, other thing they'll say is that is that they is that uh, you you could the athletic departments could manipulate programs that are supposed to be designed for academic purposes by just like raising funding to have these extra assistantships. So the idea of an assistantship is benefiting like you know the academic department or whatever. Well, if all of a sudden you're just like, all right, well, hey, I was able to fundraise for like six coaching assistantships um, or whatever. I don't. That's probably unrealistic. But imagine if you could. Now, now that's totally not the purpose of those assistantships and and you're just you know using them that way that's that's also my guess is partly why they're going to be on the you know on the other, other side of this well it's it's the issue of fair i don't know if it's fairness if that was what you were saying ben but so, some and state claims yes well th that would hold more weight if every institution had 9.9 .9, which is not even yeah. the case for this or if and maybe in like yeah. football every D1, whatever, has the 93 or whatever scholarships. But it's not like that in wrestling. I'm assuming it's similar with other non-revenue sports, which is basically all but two. Um, so I don't understand how that holds any weight at all, personally. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I, I said I know what the NCAA's perspective is, but I didn't say I agree with it in any way, shape, or form. I feel like uh, the, you know, the stuff, is already uneven you know skewed towards those who have the money um and it's going to continue to be and so you might as well just do things that benefit the athletes as much as possible that, that's yeah. how i feel about it um because and at the end of the day you know, like i said before it does come down to a money and power issue the ncaa wants as much money and power as possible and they do that by restricting the value and uh the money that athletes can earn it's really that simple yeah I, I think, you know, in two, of two of Spay's big takeaways in, in that Supreme Court article that he wrote were, were that, um, one, the thing that we're saying, like the rich are going to get richer in some ways, like people that already have resources are going to benefit from that. But the other thing that I think is, is more interesting is that this gives now coaches the ability to, to figure out what kinds of academic resources exist, what kinds of programs they might be able to tap into that they haven't before. And yeah. for those coaches who are really savvy and who, who are willing to get out to academic departments and talk about their, their grad programs and talk about what kinds of you know, opportunities exist, they're going to be able to get guys um, extra funding and open up, open up scholarships for, for other student athletes. So there's going to be, of course, the rich are going to get richer, but there's also going to be a hustle factor that like those, yeah. those people that work to understand the, the intricacies of their university are going to benefit for sure. Yeah, no, I, I love it. I'm all about athletes getting paid more and more and more. And, you know, I essentially kind of what I, that, that thing I brought up with, um, I actually got two points. I'm at one point after this. Sorry, if I'm talking a lot, this is an issue I'm very passionate about. The issue I brought up earlier about uh, one athlete wearing a different type of shoe, right? And how universities will prohibit them from doing so. My guess is that somewhere down the line, um, some university, maybe it's Oklahoma State because they're obviously ahead of the curve on this, will say, hey, listen, for our shoe deal, we get this much money and we're actually going to figure out how to cut the athletes into this. We're going to give the athletes a portion of this because that'll say, and, and then, so then they'll be able to say, well, the second you step on our campus, we're giving you a full scholarship. And due to our shoe sponsorship, you're also going to get a check for $6,000. And if you're uh, a starter, it's $12,000 or, you know, something to that effect. So essentially the athletes are already earning money the second they step onto campus because, because they deserve it because that athlete, that, that, uh, university is not getting a shoe sponsorship because they have no athletes. They have getting a shoe sponsorship because they have athletes that play very well. And those athletes probably deserve a portion of that cut. And so then the second thing that's going to tie into that. And I think this is especially true with wrestling. Um, but I well, I'm I guess it's likely that there's a lot of other sports that this is similar with, um, but I don't know them as well, so I'm gonna speak specifically on wrestling. The most marketable athletes. If you made a list of the 25 most marketable athletes, 
at any point in time and you could pay them. I guarantee 15 to 20 those are college age athletes mm-hmm. right now. No and so for, and I'm assuming that's, that's true for other sports as well. So essentially NCA, you're stealing very valuable years of a kid's life. They have five years where, you know, likely if we made a chart, that's their most valuable time period where they could earn the most amount of money. And you're essentially taking that from them. So you're withholding compensation that they have earned through what they've done so far and what they're continuing to do. And you're just saying, no, you can't earn that because we want more of it to go to our pockets. I mean, that's when you break it down, really, that's what's happening. Essentially. It's, it's funny to think about it too, because you're totally right. But now if you're, if you're somewhere sitting in a state like Oklahoma, I'm sure you're like happy that you got it set up and you hope everybody else drags their feet. Like you, yeah, you, you love no- this policy. You love that it's legal, but that everybody else is slow. And, uh, and now you're benefiting. That's like, it's, oh, it's yeah. wild. Well, actually one of the things I looked at right away when you guys sent me this map, here, here's kind of what I did. I said, okay, who are the most valuable athletes going to the next college season? Gable Stevenson, Spencer Lee. Roman Bravo Young, uh, Yanni, mm-hmm. and AJ Ferrari. That's who I came up with for my top five. Okay. Yeah. Now, oh, where's my hand? <laughs> where's my hand moving? Oh. Yeah, there you okay, go. guess what? Guess what? Four of those five, I just listed the five most valuable athletes in college. Four of those five do not have legislation set up so that they can earn money on July 1st. Boom, they all go away. There's one person to sign left, guys. Yeah. So all of these companies are going to fight over AJ Ferrari because those other five, four names that I, I I listed are not set up to earn any money. And really, anytime soon, even when you look all the way down to uh, July 1st of 2020, those states are not on the board. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a huge advantage. And I, I'm curious, man, where... Who's AJ Ferrari going to sign? I think it's going to be a fun thing to to follow this along the way because, like, what kind of deals are these guys actually going to get? How what is a market rate for a guy? And listen, AJ AJ Ferrari is is super popular for for a wrestler, but how's that going to compare to some of the football things like an Oklahoma State quarterback? Yeah, right. Or the Oklahoma yeah. quarterback. My gosh. Yeah. Um, what is he popular? I don't follow. Football. I'm sure he's very good. I don't even. I don't know, but I'm. Okay. Oklahoma is, yeah. makes the Final Four basically every year, and they always have a good quarterback. If Bracky yeah. were here, uh, God he bless him, us. he would he, he would tell us. He'd be like, "Oh yeah, he's probably he's on the Heisman or whatever." Yeah. Watch. So as as far as wrestling's concerned, right now basically it's it's Oklahoma, um, Nebraska is in effect uh, July first, and I don't know University of Nebraska. It's similar to Oklahoma where like it takes effect July first, but then they have until. July 1, 2023 to get it all sorted out. So I don't know Nebraska's position, but I would guess like given how important football is to that state that they would yeah. have a plan. And then California is is right now not going to take effect till January 1st, 2023, but they're trying to get it moved up to January 1st, 2022, which which would mean potentially, you know, you maybe you see a Shane Griffith or somebody mid-year um start to start to pick up some some deals. Uh but but that's Pretty much, I mean, that's that's pretty much who has access. I mean, Tennessee and Arkansas have wrestling programs that are that are relatively small. So maybe you would see a couple of student athletes, but right now they don't have anybody that's super high profile that you would expect to make a bunch of money. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, they're all these companies are be fighting over AJ Ferrari because no one else is passing the legislation, so the other most popular athletes can do anything. I mean, and really, actually, to you pointed out earlier. Bray, the the states that are passing this are mostly SEC states um, very quickly. And so obviously they don't have wrestling. So there's no one to fight over. Age of Fur is going to get all the money. I hope yeah. he spends I hope he spends on social media advertising to make himself even more popular. It'd be tremendous. Seriously. He might. He, <laughs> he posted the most hilarious video yesterday <laughs> of him. He comes out. Uh, he's with the boys. He's got a big, bright orange, blaze orange pool table. He comes out. He's obviously shirtless. He's got money. He's, I think he's rapping, and he makes he makes a pool shot. It's like a really easy pool shot, but he just looks like a total baller. He tosses a stick. And he starts throwing hundred dollar bills on the table. <laughs> it's it's hilarious. We should probably actually just show it because. Do you guys think Gable will stay in college? I'm still under the impression that he probably won't. I think he's going to go do something else. 
I, I had that, I had the same thought like this over the weekend. I'm like, man, if Minnesota had its act together and obviously he can you know, probably go make a million dollars immediately at the WWE. But even if, even yes. if you could, even if you could tell him, Hey, like, you know, you're not going to make that kind of money, but you can start profiting on your name, image, and likeness. Now you'll get experience marketing yourself. You'll get some, you know, valuable, like you'll learn some valuable things, having conversations with an agent or whatever. Um, th th that might be worth it. That might be a, a value add enough to keep him around. But Minnesota, uh, let's see, what's their what's their status? Slow. They're not on the list anywhere. Bill, the bill was introduced, but yeah, like January one, twenty twenty three is like the earliest proposed um, idea. So the bill's just barely been introduced. So yeah, he's not. I, so I don't know. That's that's probably um, not. I don't know. That doesn't help. Doesn't help the case for sure. Yeah. Oh, we got some AJ Ferrari footage. <laughs> Waiting to go. Oh, so Missouri, on, Missouri can go pretty soon. Watch our boy. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm on. Yeah, all right. Yeah, all right. How was the shot, bro? How was the fucking OSU game, bro? Next year, fucking taking motherfuckers out. Oh my gosh, I didn't know oh, this was swearing in it. Christian, wow. you're going to get kicked off air. I, I swear, I only cut on the audio when he started throwing the hundreds and he started like halfway rapping through it. Now I just canceled myself. Got canceled. Wow. I didn't know he had such a potty mouth. AJ. <laughs> so, my, so my wife, I do a vlog sometimes and, um, you know, I was like out of potty mouth. I uh, I've only dropped how many? I, one one really really naughty word on FRL. And uh, you know we're talking eighteen months now. But uh, so my wife's rule is like it can be on your vlog, whatever. Don't have it on. Don't have it on the social media posts that you do. Right? <laughs> if you do, just bleep it out. Yeah. And last week, last week she got so annoyed because uh, someone else I didn't hear it in the background. They dropped an f bomb, and I I didn't hear it, and so I put it up. She's like, uh. This is why it can't be a family vlog because you're dropping f bombs. <laughs> dang it! Well, dang it, AJ. I didn't expect. Sorry, sorry, oh, sorry, listeners, funny. children. Sorry, Sam Herring. I know you're listening. And, uh, <laughs> those are bad words you shouldn't hear. Don't say them. Okay, <laughs> we'll move on. To to why don't we go to some questions? Well, well, wait. Before we do that, anything, anything else? Well, I I just think that the NCA is so they're they're so funny and and um. Spades in the chat. He's talking about how like his his read on why the NCAA had these rules to begin with, and why like why everything's so slow is that they they want to have while well, they have a lot of power and they want to keep a lot of power, so they just they want to kind of keep their fingers in things. And and I, yeah, I mean I, that makes sense. Um, but exactly to that point, like in their document about switching back to the name, image, and likeness stuff in their Q and A page on their site, it's it, like some of their stances are so hilarious one is uh one of the questions that they then answer and it's always good when you ask yourself a question and then answer it um the question <laughs> is how does the uniqueness of the college sports recruiting environment affect this issue the name image likeness issue and they they basically say that recruiting is you know it sets college sports apart it's really you know it, it's important uh but it says changes to the name image and likeness rules for student athletes should support the integrity of the recruiting environment and not result in any undue influence on the student's choice of where to attend college like so to pretend like <laughs> name engine likeness is going to have no impact on recruiting is is like preposterous of course it will like that is that is ridiculous so that's funny and then the other thing i thought was funny in that q a document is they they said why is federal nil legislation important to support of college athletes and they make this big case for why a big federal rollout is important obviously they missed the boat there and now it's like this this race to see who can implement this you know, quickest and most effectively. And, and it's, it, it's doing exactly the opposite of what they want. It is influencing recruiting in major, major ways. And so I don't know, just hilarious. Yeah. To say it's not going to influence recruiting. I mean, that's about the most hilarious thing I've ever heard. Give me a freaking break. Ridiculous. Um, so ridiculous. Very out of touch. This organization. For once. You would have never, you would have never guessed that you would think the uh, NCAA was out of touch. Usually they're just on the cutting edge of, uh, <laughs> yes. of stuff. Yep. It is a unique uh, business model. You know, you don't see it. I, I think they are ahead of the game in uh, many ways. <laughs> a unique business model, like just take advantage of all college athletes to try to make as much money as you can. That is nothing if not unique, Ben, because you can't find that elsewhere. Uh, after a while. <laughs> yeah, fair. Wow. Used fair. to be more popular. Yeah. Okay. 
Uh, why don't we, why don't we go to questions? Unless there were any major junior duels takeaways, uh, David. Oh yeah, uh, man. I only followed Team Wisconsin. Really, I didn't even look at the uh, Iowa won. Iowa won. Iowa had a really good team. Yeah. Yeah, they they got they got a good number of seniors to come back, and I the the I think the trick with with um, cadet and junior duels is like getting the best kids from your state to come to that event. Yes, and huge. Iowa was able to do that this year, and and super fun. Their their final with Oklahoma was great because a lot of the places where Iowa was good, Oklahoma was also good, and then some of the places where you know neither te- some weights neither team had ranked wrestlers, so it was a, a duel with a lot of intrigue. But Iowa, I mean Iowa, pretty much balled out throughout and um you know it's impressive yeah like uh pennsylvania didn't bring uh a really good team for for example of one of, one of the states that you're talking about but yeah i mean the, the midwest uh did good because we had uh in the top five illinois wisconsin minnesota and iowa so four of the top five were all midwest states yeah go midwest go i'm midwest i'm really i'm really excited about i mean the guy that, that stood out to me probably is aiden riggins um from iowa okay. i I could not believe his match with Skulls. You're talking about Wisconsin. Like I thought that match oh, was going to be. I, I thought it was going to be kind of a coin flip, but dude, that kid kind of kicked his butt. Yeah, yeah, that was unfortunate. And he yeah. had yeah he had good matches. He had a, a match with John Wiley in the finals. It was like buzzer beater takedown to win. Um, Riggins did so. That that kid was super fun. All right, uh, let's go to some questions before we get get up out of here um from ben askren's twitter handle you guys said jb and imar are likely to be one and two at 79 have you forgotten about daringer who was once ranked second in the world at 79 if not you know what i actually did when uh when i said that i forgot that Daringer had decided to come down yeah um because i think initially we we talked about him not coming down at all and then somehow that got backtracked and uh he is so yeah i would uh I would say Deeringer can obviously vie for that number two spot. If not, maybe go with JB. Yeah, I would say Daring. I think Kozak, I don't know if his updated rankings have come out yet, but I'm pretty sure Daringer's ranked second in the world at 79 behind one Jordan Burroughs. He is. So, yeah, you're right, uh, Ben Askren's Twitter handle. Of course, you're anonymous, so we can't give you your proper due. But, yeah, I think I think Alex is the – is probably the rightful number two, especially after how this the whole, you know, Imar thing materialized. Yeah, that seems even more apparent that that Alex is going to be the number two guy. In For in real. Kozak's rankings, he explained why Daringer is number two in the world. He said Daringer earns his number two spot based on his performance during his time at seventy nine in twenty eighteen and nineteen. While at the non Olympic weight, Daringer only lost to Dake and Gaji Magomedov. Also, Daringer holds a head to head win over recent European champ Gulaev. Um, so yeah, he's he's got the resume. He's number two in the world. Now, have uh, I'm trying to remember. Have Ringer and Imar ever hit? I don't. I cannot remember. It's kind of weird, but I don't think they ever have. I don't think they have. Because I think Dake took them both out in seventeen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. yeah. They, I think they would they, usually be in like a three-four spot. Or they wrestled uh, for true seven, second in twenty seventeen. Oh my gosh. <laughs> So they did wrestle. Wow. Um, I don't remember that match. Me either. Probably because it was wait true third, true third because Dake and, and JB were one two. Yeah, yeah. So I think JB was true second in the out. main tournament. Yeah, yeah second in the yeah. main tournament. Imar won. Daringer won four yeah. two. So even more evidence that he's probably the guy yeah. number two at seventy nine. Now, big caveat there is is his recovery. How's he doing coming off the mm-hmm. the ACL surgery? But um. Any, I think it was ACL. I know it was knee. I believe it was, anymore, it was ACL. We're not seeing a ton of guys that come back from knee surgery with major regression. So yeah, I think he should be fine. And uh, it sounds like he's doing, he's progressing really well. So excited to see yeah. him re-enter the mix because he's he's fantastic. Uh, so yeah, mm-hmm. good point. Um. Arizona wrestling fan, please explain why Ollie is no longer part of the show. Well, I sort of explained it. I kind of actually wasn't. Re- I was sort of caught off guard for no reason at all. But um, yeah, Ollie is not on the content team. He's on the marketing team. So they have different responsibilities, and he didn't want to do it anymore. So that's pretty much 
That's pretty much it. I, I think you should go a best two or three takedowns with who's ever the lead of the uh, marketing team. And if you win, then, you know, we get him for the show. <laughs> I'd really like my chances in that. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I don't know. Obviously, it broke my heart. I'm not happy about it. But, um, yeah. it's uh, He's still here. He's here right now. So, nothing happened. He just, that was his decision. Can we have him pop in maybe once in a while? He said he would do that, and he has not. So I don't know. Okay. I'm not gonna. You know, it's up to him. He's certainly okay. he's obviously welcome to stroll back into our lives, but <laughs> might not. When a heart breaks, it don't break even. It doesn't break even oh, ever. Gosh. Okay, uh, how far back do the FRL archives go? Can I watch episode one? Well, no, you can't watch it because there wasn't video of FRL until. It was on a phone call because I was there. Sixteen, because Ben was on episode one of FRL, and then episode two was bad. But you might like, you might think it's funny. What happened in episode two? I don't recall. Oh yeah, you do. The prank call. Johnny that was Corona. episode two. The second, second freaking episode. <laughs> First call. Second episode. Trouble getting so, out the gates. So you can listen. You can listen to. Uh, <sighs> I think every single Gosh. one. There was actually, oh, sadly, one episode. I don't know what happened. Something happened with how we were recording it, and it was an episode that Ben did. I don't know if you remember this, Ben, but it never saw the light of day. It never got. Oh, no, I didn't know that. It, it was. It was 2015 or so. Um, but yeah, we didn't start doing video till 2016. We didn't start doing it live on video till. 16 or 17 so uh but you can go back you can go back and listen to every single one so if you want to do that and you can watch most of them all right uh question for ben sophomore wrestler on a really good team can't make the lineup nationally proven guys on the team he's a good wrestler maybe good enough to make states but can't get the number one spot what's your advice i i, I don't know i think the answer seems simple practice hard and wait till next year I mean, yeah. is it what else you can do there? I mean, maybe if you can bump up or down, but it, it uh, the way the question is written, it leads me to believe that, you know, maybe like he says he's a 160, can't go to 52, and there's someone else really good at 170 also. Um, you know, honestly, <laughs> that, that, that if, he's, if he's a heavyweight, I would say maybe, you sh and send the kids your same grade, maybe move because that's the one spot where you can't really go anywhere else, right? But we've had this situation on a couple of the local teams with AWA guys, and it's like uh, it's a blessing and a curse because you don't want to be on a team where you have no good practice partners. So you want to have good practice partners that are your own same size, essentially. And at certain times, that can lead to lineup log jams, and that's simple. And it's you know it's a, it's a plus and a minus all at the same time. Um, so I would say just wait until next year, uh, practice hard, do the best you can do, and hey, maybe if one of them gets injured, be be ready. Yeah, stay ready for sure would be my advice. I can think of th at least three kids currently in the national rankings that were not varsity until this year um, that spent time in who's, JV. Who's that? I'm so curious. So uh, I don't exactly know how to say his name for sure. The uh, St. Michael Alberville kid, uh, Caleb Thanes. Okay, yeah, yeah. It's a weird T-H-O-E-N-E-S. -E -E yes, yeah. He, he was not varsity um, but had placed in Fargo. Like wow. he just couldn't make the lineup, but um, – but he's obviously getting better. He was obviously getting better. He's 13th in the country at 113. Um, a guy that, uh, a last name that, that people will know from Stillwater, Oklahoma, Sam Smith, uh, Coach John Smith's son, was not varsity until um, until this year as a sophomore, was a state champ as a sophomore, and was ranked in the top 10 a lot of the year. And then uh, the other one is one of the Joffrey brothers, from California, mm. um, was what you know, just super super tough room. Uh, yeah. Those guys, you know, th those guys were not going to sacrifice being part of that Buchanan program, and and now both those brothers are are ranked in the top ten, uh, top fifteen. So, you know, Shane Van Ness wasn't varsity. Um, yeah. Then the next year, he was number one in the country. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's it's a real plus and minus. Like I said, to have great practice partners your own size, like you'd much rather have that and sit the bench one year than to be like in a program that stinks and there's no one to train with. Yeah. And a lot of these kids too, I mean, they like more and more, the things that they circle on their high school calendar are Fargo and super 32 and yeah, those kinds sure. of tournaments. 
So to not get to wrestle in the Minnesota or Oklahoma or California state championships is, is disappointing, but that's not nearly the biggest event on your calendar. Yeah, yeah. for sure. It's funny mm-hmm. that, you know, you think about guys fighting for starting spots and then you think about the wrestlers that end up in some lineups and little schools like where they're just guys don't even know what they're doing and they end up being starters. But it's probably mm-hmm. probably a sign you're in a good program and you're going to reach, reach your best wrestling potential in a place that has that much talent. So it's, yeah. a, it's not the worst problem to be, be patient. In. Yes, exactly. Uh, best folk style wrestlers who never got AA, who never all American. I, I almost feel like when they ask questions like this, Christian, I almost feel like because um, we've had, we've a handful that are something like something to this effect, right? Best of all time. I almost feel like we should like have a bulletin board maybe in your office where we have a topic like this, and then you know in a slow time like this summer, right? We're in a slow wrestling period. We should literally dedicate a whole show to that topic, and then just um, and then and then actually do some research. Because I feel like it would be a lot of fun for us to do some research and come up with maybe a list. And then also, I think they call what they call evergreen, like topics that can just kind of go mm-hmm. on forever. I know the best show that Tommy and I ever did was we just did a, it was a slow time and we did top 10 American wrestlers of all time. You know, we both made lists and that was our best show that we ever did by, by, by quite a margin. I mean, it got a lot, a lot of views. Yeah, I remember, I actually remember listening to that one. Um, yeah. think about that idea? I don't. I, I think it's a great idea. Let's make the bulletin board. I love anything Boom. on bulletin boards. You know, but now, now making you make me think of the of your your show that you do with Tommy. I think my favorite uh, was when you guys talked about recruiting visits. That that show was like, oh yeah, amazing. that was fun. Yeah, that was fun. I don't remember um, that one. We, I think we, we, it was the one we talked about the college recruiting process and the, the pluses and minuses and what college coaches will try to do. I mean, this is a talk I have with my athletes all the time because, dude, college coaches. Y'all pissed me off because you guys try to mislead and bully to a certain extent high school kids because high school kids are not smart on the recruiting process. And it's like I hear my athletes come back to me and say, well, this coach said this or this or this. I'm like, oh, I roll. That's really not all that true. Um, and so it's just like college coaches think they can get away with so many things. And the number one that annoys me is you have 10 days to take this offer. And if not, then it's gone forever. Like that one. That annoys me so hard. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. Not not ideal. Okay, yeah. but what do we want to answer the actual question? Uh, I off the top of my head, I don't uh I have no idea at all. Mm-hmm. It would probably be okay, here's who it would probably be. It would probably be someone who um was like a really small guy and couldn't start on their team and then maybe later had some freestyle success of of some sort. Um right. maybe like say like a Jamil Kelly for example, would be a really good one. Cause he never, I, he never all American. Yeah. Correct? Um, no, correct. I think, yeah, it has to be him. Freaking Olympic mm-hmm. silver medalist. It's gotta be someone like someone to like that, you know, late, late bloomer, um, you know, who had went on to have freestyle success. If I was looking for a list, I, I think I'd start with some of the guys in that 2020 year that lost the opportunity that were mm, in really, you know, that'd be, um, yeah. Lujan, Right. He's, oh man, he's up there. Ooh, that's a good one. Um, yeah, and it's different because like, uh, and I I don't know this about Jamil, but was he in a all? I mean, Taylor Lujan was an All American contender year in and year out. He was in the mix. He beat a ton of really good guys along yeah. the way. Just never was had the opportunity. He had opportunities to put it together and didn't. And then his senior year, he did not get the his final chance. So we we kind of don't really know. But I don't know if Jamil was like that competitive that in the mix throughout his career yeah. it's sort of a different thing is like he went on to be a better wrestler at the freestyle level but that doesn't mean yeah. he's the best college wrestler to not yeah. aa right well, that's a great point no it, yeah because it, it, it is essentially it's two different things right it's um are we talking the best at the time say a guy who's round a 12 three times yes or so are we talking you know, someone who went on to achieve really high level success, you know, future success, but to your point may not have been as competitive in those earlier years. Right. Right. Yeah. Cause Jamil started Juco, right. Then came in like, yeah, his path was not like massive recruit Mm -hmm. who, 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 you know, was always in the mix. Yeah. Okay. Obviously my answer is Jerome Ward. 
drum mm-hmm. ward. He beat so many good guys. He beat like Phil Ketty, Kirk Smith, a bunch of really good guys. I used to have the list somewhere. I'll try to find it. <laughs> this dude beat yeah. more guys and never placed. I'm telling you, drum ward. Look at look up. Yeah, look up this good. guy's hit list. He, was, he was legit. <clears throat> one time, one time when I was back in Iowa coaching at little NAIA college, we. We watched an Iowa State duel on a Friday night before we were going to take our guys to an open tournament on a Saturday, and Iowa State didn't wrestle well. Jerome Ward had a, had a really rough night. And, yeah, he uh, had some of those. <laughs> and so, anyway, we watched that, whatever. Next morning, we're pulling up to the open tournament, and uh, here comes Cale Sanderson and Jerome Ward, like, walking in. I mean, it was probably like a four-hour drive for them, um, and they just had a duel the night before, and I guarantee you Jerome Ward was not planning on wrestling in that open tournament. Uh, but... Here he came, and uh, I think he had. I think he wrestled a couple matches, and then and then withdrew. Uh, but I, I mean, I think that was like he got to <laughs> like he had to he had to prove something to to Kale at that point. But it was so weird, like watching him the night before, and then all of a sudden you're like, wait, Drew Moore's here? What's he doing here? This open tournament. But okay, just rewatched. It's from Bada Bing. Just rewatched Kale's first decade film. It got me thinking. In any other sport, the most successful athletes like Gable and Kale and really John Smith, too, go on to be the most successful coaches. Why is it that way in wrestling? Um, I, I know my, my opinion would be, uh, and I think we've discussed this before, but that these guys obviously don't have any professional career, right? They're not making money. So they just say, hey, I'm going to go coach, right? Both of them competed for essentially two years after college. So by the time they decided to go into coaching, they're super young. They're 23, 24, 25. And... Uh, they have this really long window to coach, whereas a great basketball player or football player, baseball, they'll go and they'll compete in their professional avenue for 15 years or so. And so then if they, if well, number one, they made a lot of money, so they might not want to coach. And number two, if they do start coaching, it's not till they're like almost 40 some years old. So I think that's a huge part of it. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's, I think it's an interesting thing. I, we've, we've discussed it a little bit before. Part of me wonders if what aspect of it could be wrestling related. Um, yeah, you know it's it's a because it's such a and maybe it's a maybe this isn't true. This is true for all sports, but I feel like it's the ultimate problem solving sport. And so you to get to the level that Kale, Gable, John Smith reached, you have to have solved so many problems. Mm-hmm. So you have this skill. That you can apply, it doesn't just apply to like leg attacks. It, it, it really applies to everything. So yeah. maybe these are just the best problem solvers, and they have learned how to solve individual problems for a lot of different athletes. I think there is. I think there's a. But there's also. I mean, there's multiple components of it. Yes. You, could, you obviously can think of. You know, when when you just said that it comes to mind, Wade Shell is obviously really high level wrestler and solves a lot of problems, right? Cause he had a lot of unique things he did, did not make all that great of a coach. Right. And you right. can think of other people who fit that category, you know, world champions who just can't struggle to coach. So um, I definitely think there's, there's absolutely part of what you're saying is hundred percent true. I think there's probably more to it though, you know, and that the starting too. early big name, name is big. Gable and Kale. Uh, I would argue if we maybe stopped at age 24, we're at that point in time where, you know, almost the biggest names in the sport too. What do you think about that? Absolutely. It was true. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I also think if you're working with an athletic director who probably doesn't know, like wrestling's probably not that athletic director's first sport. They are going to be, there's going to be some allure to, Oh, this guy's a multiple time NCAA champ, or this guy was really successful athlete. If like, if you're out part of that hiring committee and you're part of that process, whereas in, in, football or men's basketball you can make a name for yourself as a, as a coach and a coach alone maybe a little bit easier than you can in in a, a sport that is not as familiar to people that are doing the hiring hmm. yeah and I, I don't know there's a psychological piece too that is really important that i think gable kale coach smith maybe have down but what is interesting is the level of variance in success for coaches without that level of accomplishments of course ben's got a great example with his his coach brian smith yeah right absolutely no doubt one of the best um but a lot of a lot of the, you know rob cole was a really good wrestler a lot of the best coaches were i mean tom brand's a freaking olympic champion one of the best coaches for sure so i don't know it is an interesting thing i think it's a 
a lot of it is. is well, uh, hold on, Christian. What about other? Just kind of with my first thing that I said, because uh, I don't know other sports, and I think that you may, you may know them more than me, but maybe not. Right. Like in, um, let's see, what's another sport where they don't make any money? Like swimming or track and field, uh, stuff like that. Are the best coaches great athletes or no? I don't know. Um, I know that Carl Lewis is a is a like one of the best coaches in college, and he was certainly one of the best Olympic American Olympic athletes ever. So, may, I don't know, but I don't know enough about track and field or s- certainly swimming. I couldn't name a swimming coach, and I can name two running coaches. One of them's Alberto Salazar, who I'm pretty sure is like the biggest cheater ever. Um, <laughs> and then uh, Carl Lewis, who coaches Houston. So I, I don't, I'm not really a good person to talk about. I'm not a good person to talk about any other sport other than wrestling, really. Okay. Um, although I do have, I mean, obviously I know the best football and basketball coaches. Um, you know, you you see you see a lot of uh, well, jujitsu aren't the best guys. Uh, well, so Dan Hur was not never really competitive, but you know, obviously jujitsu is newer. But like Galvao and Marcelo Garcia, for example, they do a really good job coaching, right? And they yeah, absolutely. Really Atos is definitely the best or second best, depending on you know how you view it. Place to train that's Andres Marcelo. Yeah, absolute legend. Um, but yeah, someone like Dan Hur is not. Has none. What, what? 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 When do they start calling you professor? Is that just if you get a black belt or what? Uh, I have no idea, dude. They start calling. They call no people professor idea. all the time. It makes me think that like teaching is kind of built into the, the belt system. Like once you get to a high level, okay, now you can teach other people. So it's almost prerequisite, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I mean, maybe that is. Maybe there's not. Um... In, in, say, uh, football, where there's so many things happening at once, right, because there's multiple people in the field, uh, maybe there's not as intricate details on, I mean, I was just messing with some of the college guys yesterday, and, like, some of the details that are happening is just so intricate that you have to have such a deep understanding of what's going on to be able to coach it. And so, you know, there's guys, say, like a Brian Smith, who didn't have great competitive success, but, you know, it's not like he's, like, stopped learning wrestling at that point in time. He continued to learn wrestling as he was coaching and, and you know, and develops a more deeper understanding of it. So, but, yeah, you definitely have to have, like, really intricate detail knowledge where maybe in football, if you just move the X and the O's, I, I don't know this, I don't know football, if you move the X's and O's the right way, that everything's gonna work out or like a track and field i don't feel as though for a handful of those events that there's as many intricate details so now i'm thinking about it it's like with football and basketball it's like you it's how do you make the pieces work together in in concert right it's a totally different thing whereas that's not a consideration at all really in in wrestling it's like the consideration wrestling is how to get this one person better at this one thing yeah. right mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. it's uh i don't know it's a completely different skill set the more i think about it coaching football and bas- maybe probably to a degree basketball versus coaching yeah. wrestling um so it's just a, maybe that's maybe that's part of the reason why yeah. and i'd be curious in the other individual sports jiu-jitsu would be a fine example but what are the others like boxing like I feel like the best boxing coaches were not the best boxers. Like, but again, that's a that's a career path where if you are a boxer, you're going to make a lot of money, and so you're you're fighting for a very long period of time, um, and so there therefore you wouldn't start coaching until much later. The other thing about boxing that's really weird is like uh, the the trainers kiss your butt so much. Um, and they they make the the guys who are really successful, right? And they make them feel like they're the best thing ever. So then them humbling themselves to going back to a, a co- coaching is a humbling profession, right? You essentially have to serve your athletes if mm-hmm. you want to do it the best you can. So to go to being this guy that everyone kissed their butt and then go back going back to serve it's essentially serving people um, is man, it's a big difference in their world. So the best sports to look at are. Basically, non not not the big revenue generating sports or ones you can make a bunch yeah. of money that are individual focused. Yeah. Um, so maybe we can think a little bit more about that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fun. Okay. Next question: Has anyone dominated their peers, college and freestyle, like Gable, and not gone on to have success on the senior level medal? 
I think the obvious example right now is is Zane Rutherford. Mm-hmm. We haven't seen a, a dominator like that. In- Does he mean Gable Stevenson or Dan Gable? Because obviously it's going to be Gable Stevenson, correct? I guess. Um, I mean, because Dan Gable won the Olympics. Yeah, so it wouldn't make sense. But I feel like, yeah, it's feeling so early. Gable's 20 years old. Yeah, like, I think maybe Miles is saying, have we ever seen anyone be this good and not do it? He's basically saying he's going to medal, right? And we I know mean, this because we haven't seen guys dominate like this. I feel like he's asking the question too early, though, because yeah. he didn't get a world's last year. In, uh, you know, 2020 didn't have one. Mm-hmm. And 2019, he wasn't the same guy that he was in 2020. And he's definitely not the same guy as he is in 2021. I, yeah, you look at the Hodge winners, and it's not a guarantee. I mean, David Taylor, it took him a few years uh, yeah. even crack the lineup. Dolph I hasn't done one, it. Dane obviously. hasn't medaled. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Ben. Ben, ben Funky yeah. Askren. Uh, yeah, so, sure. yeah. But we'll see. I mean, I think I think this question by August will, will look a little different. Yeah. All right. This will probably be our last question. Uh, how does this five-man round robin end? We've got Henry Cejudo, Vladimir Kinchikishvili, Oguyev, Spencer Lee, Thomas Gilman. Assuming they are all in their prime at 57. So prime meaning, yes, working knees for one Spencer Lee, a good ankle for Thomas Gilman. Um, I think the best of the bunch is uh, Kinchikishvili, personally. I think at 57, that's when he was at his, yes, I think at 57. this guy, the guys he beat, the way he could win, the ways he could win. Now, Oguyev, I, I will say, is a bit of a let, – let's see him continue to progress, yeah. right? Let's see him keep it going. <laughs> he could be the one that could do it. Um, but yeah. for right now, I, I say it's it's Kinchikishvili. And, and Spencer is a huge – What if? What if at this point? When will we yeah. see him at senior level competition? I mean, that, He's been, Spencer would have been a better example of, of the question with Gable. Yeah, potentially. Because um, well, we're, de- we're not. He's definitely not going to win a medal this year because he can't because he's not in the tournament. So at the earliest, he wins a medal is twenty twenty two. Unless he unless he tries for the September thing, which I find but, unlikely. But I find unlikely. Plus, if Gilman were to medal, then he would. There's no way he's going to bump up. Yeah, but I don't think Gilman's gonna medal. I think it's gonna be. Ooh. I think. I think he's a long, I don't. I don't think he's healthy. I don't think he's healthy. Gilman's not healthy. We've talked about okay. this. All right, fair enough. Yeah, he, he did have the article. Okay, fair enough. Um. So I think, but I think there's a strong case for for Uguyev in this conversation. Um, yeah, so who I do I don't? I think you're right. I think it's Uguyev or or Ken, Ken Kijikishvili's uh, sure. Olympic bracket in 2016 was just like so much deeper than the one Yuguev's going to have. I, it does feel like Yuguev could be as good as Kinchikishvili, but yes. he he hasn't been he hasn't been pushed the same way that Kinche was. So check yeah. out the guys that are in this bracket in 2016. Um, Kinchikishvili won it. Ray Higuchi silver. Haji Aliyev bronze. Uh, uh, Hassan Rahimi bronze. Then these are guys that didn't medal. Vladimir Dubov, good. Good. Yalis Bone Rodriguez. World champ. Uh, Yang from North Korea. Pretty sure a world champ. Victor Lebedev. World, um, world champ, multiple medalists. Bekbayar Erdenbot from Mongolia, super good. Suleiman Atli from Turkey, who I think might be the, like, um, I mean, he's definitely a medal contender yeah, this yeah. year. He finished he's been, he's been ranked number one in the world at times. Yes. yes, yes. And he's, he's, uh, he would finish 16th in this Damn, bracket. this bracket's ridiculous. Ridiculous. Yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah. And he won it. Wow. So. And like Cejudo, he won a bracket that Kadukov was in, but he got upset by a headlock by Japan. And listen, Henry's great, but he was never considered the best guy in the world until he won then. Uh, he yeah. was ranked. I mean, that's a big part of his story. He talks about this more than anyone. I was ranked 30-whatever in the world, and I came and I won. But he was never... He was never at the top before or after. Yeah. So I just have a hard time putting him in that aguyev Kanchikashvili conversation. I would put him ahead of, of you know, Thomas and, and for right now, Spencer. You know, we'll mm-hmm. see. 
in their prime. The thing is, Spencer's prime is has not happened yet. So this is about like what they were in their prime, and we haven't really seen prime Spencer Lee enter the enter the yeah. chat, as it were. When it happens, yeah. uh, I would say watch out. Sure. Um, and is there an update on the Joe Rao appeal? It's yeah, it's he's not going to the Olympics. It, it was I I think this the appeal was DOA all along because and you can't really compare this to the Yanni Zane situation um, because the Joe Rao the ba- the basis of it is is a judgment call, right? It, mm-hmm. it was that official's judgment that those moves or whatever were yeah. were illegal, illegal. Or, okay? That was the that's a judgment call. The Yanni Zane thing, it was a procedure issue. They did not follow yes. the procedure. You do not rewind back two minutes or whatever uh, the review ju- uh, official did. You, can't, you don't do that. It's just not part of the process. You can't do that. So that's the main difference, and that's why I never really thought there was, there was much of a chance for Joel to appeal. Though I, I, can't, I must admit, I don't understand why those those holds were stopped. I don't understand why the one four was okay and the other one wasn't. It doesn't matter. Um, Joe Rao won't be going. It'll be Stefanowitz. And so, yeah, I thought that was known. But if that wasn't known, Dylan, now you know. The more you know. The more, and that's the more you know. Um, so we will go. We thank you guys so much for listening. 661 strong. We'll be back tomorrow and Thursday. Get excited. Lots to talk about. Olympics are getting closer and closer every day, Ben. Hope you're getting yeah. excited. It's going to be a very fun time. Hope you guys have a fantastic Tuesday. We will see you tomorrow. Thank you very much. Thanks to David. Thanks to you especially. Goodbye. <laughs>